you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Hello. What's up, dude? Hey, man, not much. Headed to Missouri. Oh, so I caught you not in a tree. No, I ain't in a tree at the moment. I'm headed south, down to Missouri to see the family for the weekend and maybe uh, run around with my dad, do a little gun hunt. Ah, I see. I see. Well, cool deal, yep. man. Well, look, um, I know me and you've been playing phone tag for, goodness, I don't know how long now, but um, I told you, I know I texted you some earlier last week and told you I'd just been catching up on all the hunting public videos, and uh, we always get just a lot of questions um involving you know obviously we get some public land stuff but we also get some stuff that's related to you know when you get access to a new property and you're trying to put it all together you know how do you know where to hang a stand what do you do and then especially with this time of year it being the rut um had a lot of questions about that and i said there's no better person that i can talk to than aaron warbritton about all this stuff so thank you for taking the time out of your day and uh yeah, how how's the the season been? I know it's been pretty productive so far for you guys. Yeah, man, no problem at all, Lake. You know me, anything for you, buddy. <laughs> happy to come on and happy to come on chat for a while, but yeah, season's been great for us so far. We've been selling a lot of tags, covering a lot of miles, not unlike you boys. And <laughs> uh it's been it's been a blast. It's a little chilly right now up here in the Midwest, but I like it, but um the deer are on the move and like i said we're, we're filling tags filling the freezer up so so it's all uh, good so like tell me because it, it got in the 40s last night and i was cold so what is a little chilly yeah. what does that mean to you it's 10 this morning <laughs> yeah you can keep that one more than nine and it's it's not nice <laughs> yeah yeah it's, i don't uh, yeah, it's I, pretty cold out yeah, I remember that year I was up in Iowa with you guys. Uh, I looked at my phone. I pulled the weather up on my phone, and I said it said it was nine degrees. And I was like, "This is the coldest I've ever been in my life." And uh, I bet it was. And uh, yeah. I was sitting there, nothing was going on, and me being the dumb, curious kid that I am, I just spit on the platform of the lock-on I was in, and it froze before it left the platform. And I was like, "Oh my God, I may die." <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it gets down to single digits and below, you really got to take that into account. I mean, you got to have all the right gear, the right clothes, gloves, everything. Yeah. If your hands stay out there too long, like, uh, you start losing feeling and, yeah, it gets miserable real quick. Yeah. We're moving, so we get, we're trying to be out there. Obviously, obviously. Like I said, I've been watching your guys' uh, videos, and I, it's been impressive. But, uh, before we like fully dive into that, I wanted to see if you could remember an old story from like, golly, it's been six years ago now. Uh, oh yeah. Because um, I know you'd get a kick out of this if you remembered it. Do you remember that one time you filmed me on that stand we had hung on that pond dam? Oh yeah, and that doe come in there blowing stuff, and we had them other. We had those bucks chasing through the through the thicket right next to us. Yeah, and the uh, tree was about a six-inch diameter circumference tree. 
six. Yeah, it yeah. was like a toothpick. <laughs> I remember, yeah. you know, because you didn't, me and AJ had hung that stand, and you didn't know what you were getting into, and you climbed up in that tree, and you were like, what in the world are y'all thinking? Because you couldn't make that tree be still, <laughs> especially with me and AJ <laughs> no. up there together. That tree just constantly was, you know, wobbling back and forth because it was, so small but <laughs> yes i remember what you knuckleheads did there and i went in there and i yeah but it was i mean we seen some deer oh we did it was in remember a, that yeah it was in a good location and it was november that's why i thought of it but i just remember you just couldn't get over how small that tree was but anyhow. oh yeah i like to complain that's uh <laughs> part of my day <laughs> uh well yeah dude so how about like I know the other day we were gonna initially record on uh, Thursday, and ended up not. I call, I text you and I said Jordan got one of our trucks stuck, so I'm good anyway. And you said, uh, you said well I you know I actually just shot one, so I was like well they're gonna be busy anyway. So why don't you tell me how that went? Yeah, well I mean I'm pretty much in a tree all day, or I shouldn't say just in a tree. I mean I'm in the woods all day this time of year. And, uh, yeah, that morning we were going to, we was going to do the podcast. You texted me about Jordan getting his truck stuck. And about five minutes later, I shot a nice 10 pointer. <laughs> yeah. What was it? It was, was just by a complete surprise, but it was a good location. It was a good cruising spot. Yeah. And one that, uh, we've had good luck in before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, we, it's not one that you see a lot of deer in and a lot of those cruising spots are like that. You're not anticipating to see a lot of movement. You just got to put your time in. And me and Ted had been sitting there without a deer for about three hours, and I turned around. Nice ten pointers at 35 yards, walking right at the base. Yeah, that's how it happened in that part of the country during November. That can happen so fast. Yep, that's why you got to be out there. Yeah. And it was just one of them deals. I didn't have a ton of confidence in the spot because we weren't seeing much. But you know, you're just telling yourself you. That you just got to sit it out. You got to wait it out for a little bit anyway. Yeah. You know, especially through that mid-morning cruise period, we see a lot of movement there, buck movement, you know, between 8 and noon. So if you can, the longer you can sit during those hours, the better your odds are going to be. And this was this was one of them spots that we talk about this a lot, but it's just a kill hole. It's a killing tree. Yeah. Like, there's three, four cruising trails coming off this group of ridges that all kind of dump down into this bowl, and you can only hunt it on a certain, you know, calm wind conditions because it swirls. You're down low in a bowl, so it's just one of them spots when they do decide to come through there, they're coming by you at 15, 20 steps. Right. You know, that's a high odds chance with a bow and arrow. Yeah, oh so, yeah, for sure. That's really what we're what we're always looking for and always focusing on is the setup and how do you fine tune that setup to get a real high odds opportunity, killing opportunity at a buck. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I completely get that because I remember, like I said, when we were talking about it, you know, when we were talking about doing the podcast the other day, you said, you know, there's a very good chance I'll be in a tree, but there's a lot of dead hours in the rut. You just got to be there when it decides to happen. Oh yeah, I would have gladly done it with you while I was in the tree. I don't care. I I still talk on the phone and try to take care of business while I'm out there. It's just like you said, you got to be out there yeah. because you just don't know when they're going to decide to move or when they're going to drop a doe and leave one bedding area and head to the next. You just got to be out there this time of year. 
Yeah. So um, when you when you're hunting, you know, like Iowa, take y'all y'all are hunting Iowa a good bit right now, correct? Yep. How how often do you do y'all decide to be? You know, I know you've got you know because you just mentioned it. You know, a spot that's proven well in the past, proven to work. Um, how often do you think you know when November comes? It's that time of year. You know, just you know the time everyone looks forward to in the Midwest. How often do you? How hard do you lean on those spots that have proven themselves in the past compared to trying to find a new area, trying to branch out and find something else? Well, we do a little bit of both, um, but I guess I'll give you a long-winded answer here. But everybody needs to always remember that you got to be where the deer are right now. Right. And some of those spots that we hunt year in and year out, the deer are there. Um, some of them they are not, and every once in a while you'll get a spot that was good for four or five years in a row, and it's turned off cold, mm-hmm. and not much is going on in there. So we like to say that you got to be adaptable no matter what. However, with those spots that we've been at and that we've had success at in the past, we already know, you know, how the how the travel sets up in there, where the the best setup location is, whether it's on the ground or in a stand. You know what, how the wind behaves in there. So we already kind of know how to get in that correct setup in those spots. Right. So in this particular spot that I killed that buck the other day, that's what we had going on. It was a, it was a spot that I had I hunted last year and almost killed a buck. I was just in a wrong tree, and he came right at the base of the dadgum tree and didn't give me an angle. Um, so this year we moved trees in the dark about 4 a.m. when we went in there mm-hmm. under the same conditions as last year and we moved about 15 yards away right. but that little move is you know all it took to to shoot those trails a little bit better and the amount of sign wasn't in there this year as there as it was last year but they were still there right you know yeah for sure so it and and a lot of times we'll set those spots like that in the morning because we know more so what we're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and when we because we do a lot of hanging hunts, a lot of mobile type setups. Right. Yeah. I've seen y'all half the time. It seems like y'all got a pair of climbing sticks and a lock on, and y'all just kind of throw and go. Yeah, we do. And sometimes we get in the stand. Sometimes we throw the stand on the ground and pile into a brush pile or whatever. Yep. You know, and just try to get set up, but. We get we tend to go to those, I guess, pre-scouted areas or areas that we've hunted in the past. Those little honey holes that we know about in the morning, in the dark, yep. because we know more so what we're getting into. And then if the action turns off or if we're not into much about ten, eleven in the morning, we'll pull everything down and we'll start moving around trying to find them. Right, right. So um, on the other side of that, you know, say you're like, all right, we're gonna branch out we're going to find something new you're going to go into a spot that you've never been before i'm sure you you know y'all y'all use onyx so i know y'all look at aerial photos a lot um and the reason i'm going here like i said we get lots of questions um not just public land related but there you know when i go to a spot <laughs> i've never been before what do i how do i even get started how do you know during the rut you know during say it's november or you know some wherever part of the country you know where the rut's going on for them where do you start? You know, where do you go? All right, I'm going to look here first. Well, a lot of folks got like a weekend in the rut or they've got a short vacation window mm-hmm. or whatever to get it done. 
and what we see is people are way too conservative for the most part. Mm-hmm. We get in there and we flat bump deer. I mean, trying to get it, trying to get in and find these locations. If you're in a if you're in a new area and you're looking at a map, what we're looking at are the bedding areas and any type of uh, terrain funnel in between the bedding areas. Right. And and a lot of times what folks will do is they'll look at a map and they'll see a little fence row connected two blocks of woods and they'll think, well, that's a real good funnel. Well, it may be a funnel in between a bedding area and a feeding area, and that that could still be productive, granted, but that's not what we're looking for. Right. We're looking for we're looking for bedding areas and we're trying to hunt in the bedding area during the day if possible and then and, and or cruising areas in between bedding areas. Mm-hmm. So like in a lot of times these funnels are so subtle that it's hard to tell from a map, but that's that's what we can usually do when we're looking at a map whether it's private or public land and starting out going into a new area, we're looking at the spots where people access whether it's private or public land, like if you access that place that's your private piece and you come in the same exact way every single time, those deer are going to know it and they're going to they're going to adapt mm-hmm. to it just like they do on public land. So we're taking that into account where all of the human travel and the human scent and human access is going to be, and then we're looking for bedding areas away from that. Mm-hmm. basically secure bedding locations where there's going to be little human sense. Yep. So you're going in, like, One, into the bedroom. Right in there, yeah. And and it could depend on what type of terrain that you're in. Bedding areas can change, you know, whether you're in a, you're in a marsh and they're bedded in cattails or whether you're in hills and they're bedded on leeward sides or thick mm-hmm. ridge tops or whatever, you know. But the thing is, is, once we look at that map and we figure out where the human pressure is, we, we mark all that off, and then we start looking at different ways to get in there and looking for the bedding areas that are, are located away from that human pressure. Right. And then you're and then you're just sort of connecting the dots. You you know, you're you're sectioning off a bedding area here and then you're drawing a line to the other bedding area. And you're thinking about how those deer are gonna travel from A to B mm-hmm. and how you can intercept them during the rut or you're just hunting in the bedding area itself or the downwind side of the bedding area we end up in the rut hunting a lot of cruising trails mm-hmm. that are crossing main trails that come out of bedding right and when you get in tight to a to a to any type of deer bedding area you're going to start to see lots of heavy trails coming out of it right you know from where the deer are exiting and most of the time we're those are doe trails the heaviest trails are and what we're looking for are the rubs or the lighter buck trails that are crossing all those doe trails. Because mm-hmm. that's what they'll do. They'll Those bucks will cruise the, the secure edge of the bedding, nosing on each one of those exit trails or entry trails where those does are going in and out. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to hunt those crossing trails around bedding areas, or we're trying to hunt those, like I said, those funnels in between bedding areas or or the travel in between bedding areas, but everything revolves around bedding. Right, yeah. And when we're going into a new spot, we're, we're identifying that on the map, and then we're diving right in there. Like, we'll go in there until we see, you know, fresh big tracks going right into it, fresh rubs, super fresh scrapes, any type of, of hot sign, 
and by the time we get to that point, many times we're bumping into a few deer. Yeah. But that's just telling us that they're in there. Right. You know, if you see a little buck up uh, cruising around it as you're trying to find a place to set up, and then you look up and there's a doe up ahead or something that's milling around, or you bump a doe out of the edge of it, mm-hmm. and then you look down and there's a big rub, you know, 20 yards down the ridge, in a fresh scrape right there, it's like, hey, wait a minute, they're in here. There's probably a doe that's coming in the heat close by. We just ran into a couple of deer. Like we need to set up. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where that's where being mobile when you're going into a new area really shines because you may go into a bedding area that has got all kinds of big rubs in it from a month ago. Yeah. I mean, it may have a ton of old signs from years past. You may have heard from a guy that they killed a giant out of that thing a couple of years ago or whatever. But if you get in there and the sign is cold and there's no deer in it, we don't sit it. We just burn it and go to the next. Right. One. Yeah, I, I've I've talked to people like that several times. I, I tell them, uh, I call it being stuck in a rut. You know, they're like, they saw one big buck there one time or they killed a big buck there. And they're just determined that that's the place to be. And, you know, sometimes it may be, like you said, but there's very good chance. You know, things change for year, from year to year. So that's, that's something very important to do. Um, one, oh, man, I mean, that's no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, so how, how often, because I know you guys, you, you probably get the same kind of uh, – same kind of questions along the lines of this that we get, you know, um, people probably assume a lot of the times that every time y'all walk in the woods, y'all just slam dunk it because of what it, you know, because of just, you know, watching highlight videos on your YouTube channel or episodes where you kill one. Um, how often or, or how, how long usually does it take, you know, do you think to, to put it together? You know, are you, are you going into a spot and finding, you know, say you found deer, and then you go, all right, this is a good spot. They're in here, but we need to change the setup a little bit. We need to go deeper in, or we need to do this. Oh, I mean, ideally, as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we'll go in at times that day into a brand-new area, midday or mid-morning, and we'll find it. And it's almost like a, a you know, a dog looking for quail. Right. You know, you, you're getting birdie in there you know and, and you're you're starting to see the sign and you're starting to see deer you're you're seeing an absence of human pressure right and that's usually like i said that's where we start if we're driving into a public area and there's you know a truck here and a truck here and a car here and a truck here then all of a sudden on the other side of the road it's public and nobody's going in there we're diving straight in yep. and we're looking and we're not necessarily going real far sometimes every once in a while we're going two miles deep but in the rut those deer are just going to move around that pressure and go to the first available bed. Right. So we may go into that area that hadn't been hunted for a couple of days and only make it two or 300 yards off the road and start running into deer. Right. Right. Yep. And it, it may only take us one day, you know, I mean, many times we'll go into a fresh spot like that that we haven't been into and we will find it and hunt it right then and, and be on bucks that night yep. or that day. You know, and, and then typically what happens is we'll see something that night, we'll get close, we'll see some sign, whatever, and then we'll just push in deeper the next day or we'll alter our setup slightly the next day. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, I mean it, yeah. It's so. all usually happening within one to four days. Mm-hmm. 
One to four days. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, look what happened to uh, Ted and that buck he killed with Jake. I mean, that was their, yep. that was that their was first time in there, wasn't it? Yes, but Ted and I scouted that. Okay. We went in via, via boat. The first day we got to Missouri was on the 29th. We slept that night, got up the next morning, and didn't go wild into an area because we didn't really know exactly where we wanted to hunt on the October 30th. So we just went out that morning and hunted real close to the truck. Didn't get too crazy. Failed on the hunt at like 8 o'clock. And then we spent the rest of the day just getting in the boat and scouting public. Right. And, like, we went, we probably hit eight spots. And five of those spots were cold. Didn't find much that we liked that we had a lot of confidence in. But three of them, we had a lot of fresh buck sign in. And the spot that Ted, that Ted killed that buck, we found that afternoon. That was actually the last spot that we scouted all day. I was looking at it on the map, and I'm like, you know what? I want to go check this up here. It looks like real good bedding. And there's no way to access this except with a boat. Yep. So we popped in there. We cruised up to the top of the ridge, immediately started seeing fresh rubs, fresh scrapes, big rubs, big tracks. And, I mean, all that is just 100 yards from the boat. Right. So... And, and the thing is there, we didn't want to go all the way in there, pick our tree out and gom around and leave a bunch of scent. Once we, once we found the big buck sign, we backed out. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's fresh. They're here. That's all we need to know right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to go in here until we got stands on our back and a bow on our hand. Right, yeah. So we marked that on the map, backed out, and then over the course of the next three days, Ted tried hunting that thing a couple of different times but there was people nearby not exactly in the in the exact spot that we wanted to hunt but they were close right close enough that you didn't want to go and mess them up right yeah which is the respectful thing to do right so we just waited and eventually they got in there and there wasn't nobody in there slipped into the spot we were wanting to get to and there was even more fresh sign and they set up on it in a tree stand Saw bucks cruising on the downwind side of the tree, 75 yards away. And the biggest thing was that hunt that they was real savvy on Ted Jake's part was that they pulled down immediately once they saw that cruising. Yep. They realized those bucks are cruising out of range, and they were they weren't quite in the right spot, so they climbed out of the stand, went down there, made the ground set up, and then killed that thing right at last light, right. coming down the same trail that those other bucks were on. So it was a process, you know, from scouting it finding the big buck sign, then wait until conditions were right with the hunting pressure and the wind to get in there, then going in, observing buck movement, and then climbing down immediately and going straight to that spot, setting up for the kill, and then shooting the buck. All that occurred, you know, in just a couple of days. Right. Yeah, and and I thought there were so many things you could take away from that hunt. Like, uh, one – I know, I mean, I could. so many people, I mean, heck, I could have very easily done it. Could have been in that tree, seen that cruising, and been like, man, you know, it, it's tough to bail on a, 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 a set sometimes, even if it only is moving, you know, how far they move, like 100 yards, 60 yards? Right. And uh, right. Maybe, yeah, somewhere in between that. And, and, I mean, it'd be so easy to just be like, you know what, let's just hold right here. This could, you know. This could still be good, but they they made the decision to get down and get aggressive, like you were talking about, and then look what look what it turned into. I mean, that was a beautiful buck, huge buck. Yeah, yeah, and I used to make that mistake all the time. Like when I was younger, I'd sit in the same tree for ten straight days in a rut, and I would just hunt daylight to dark, 
and I wasn't having no fun, number one, because I was bored. <laughs> and I, the deer that I was seeing, it was almost just like I'm just waiting to get really lucky. Right. And and you can definitely do that if you have the time to go out there and sit all day, every day, you know, hunt twice a day for 40, 50 days a year. But most people don't. Right. Most people got a weekend or they got to run out after work for a couple hours or they got an hour before work or they got a week vacation. And they're trying to apply those same conservative tactics to the way they hunt with limited time and it's not working. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that's why when we go on these deals, that's what, I mean, just a few days ago, I didn't, uh, the day before I killed that buck, when I was on the phone with you, when I was in the stand, you know, we went in to a spot I called the buck nest and got in there. We had a place in mind that we wanted to get to that had a bunch of sign in it two weeks ago. And this just goes with adapting and, and then going to a new property. But we went in there, bunch of hunters in there. We actually ran into two guys coming out when we were going in at 9.30 a.m. Huh. And I climbed up in the tree anyway, just thinking, well, let's observe for a little bit, an hour or two. We can see a lot here. If there's a hot doe out in this CRP field, we're going to see some action out there, see for half a mile across it. Mm-hmm. And we sat there for a couple hours until close to noon, and we didn't see nothing. Saw another hunter walking across there. I'm like, nope, we're getting out of here. I don't care how many big bucks I got on camera in here. I don't care how many of them I've seen. There's people in here, and they and the deer just ain't here right now. Yep. I just I didn't have confidence that they were, and maybe they were. Right. But regardless, didn't have confidence. So we got down. We drove 30 minutes down the road to a public area that we didn't know a ton about. I mean, we'd been in there one time before, and we started going back in. We had a place in mind. It was about a mile in, and we got 300 yards from the road and started bumping into deer. Mm-hmm. Bumped into a little buck. He didn't see us. He was just cruising along, and then we bumped into a doe and a spike that saw us and blew and ran right up through the middle of the bedding area. And then I took another 20, 30 steps, and I seen a fresh scrape there, and I saw a bunch of big tracks leading into the bedding. And me and Ted are sitting there thinking, well, we should probably sit right here just because even though we just bumped those deer right up through the bedding, right? like they're here and there's yeah. probably something going on in there that is interesting, like a hot dog for, for yeah. And if there's any time you could get away with bumping a deer, it would be the rut, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I and mean, we, we bump them in through the bedding all the time. And many times those mature bucks, they just sit there. Right. They don't. I mean, it, it, I'm not going to say that it, that's the case every time. Yeah. You know, it's, whitetail hunting is almost situational. But in this case, those deer ran off up through the bedding. They blew a couple times, but it wasn't like they stormed up through there like crazy. I mean, right. and we got up there, and we're looking for a place to set up. And five minutes later, when we're trying to, we're still trying to figure out the setup to get on these trails, Ted looked up, and there's a doe getting bumped out of the bedding area with a real nice buck behind her. And I almost shot him on the ground with the sand on the back. He bumps her out of the bedding down into the river bottom, and we're like, okay, we got to set up on her trail right now because there's going to be something else yep. coming down in here mm-hmm. in the next two hours. Yep. No trees available, so we ditched the sand. We piled into a brush pile, stacked up the dead limbs and stuff. And about an hour later, I had done some aggressive calling and, like, stomping around in the leaves, breaking limbs and stuff, trying to mimic a, a buck chasing a doe down through the brush. Yep. 
and I piled back into that brush pile, and within 30 seconds, I looked up, and a toad was coming out of that bedding area. Yikes. And he come right out of there at about 50 yards and started kind of skirting around us, and it was, it was actually a pretty crazy hunt. I called to him again, snort-weaved at him, and started scraping in the leaves when he got behind a tree, and he started scraping the ground, and his ears laid back like he's fixing to come in at this point. Right, like you done pissed and him I, off, yeah. Right, right. But anyway, an old boy started rattling down the down the river channel there, and the buck turned and ran straight at him instead <laughs> of coming in. Oh, but gosh, yeah. The point, the point was is that we slid in there because – we weren't confident in the first place we went right. and being mobile. Like yep. we went to that first spot, lots of hunters, no deer. So we just moved around until we found the deer yep. and we find them by spooking them sometimes. But yeah. that big four or five year old buck come right out of that same bedding area that those deer had ran up through. Yeah. There's a hot doe in there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much to be said about that, man. That's why I, if guys, if y'all, um, you really need, if you haven't, you need to go check out the Hunt Public's YouTube channel because I'm always, always amazed by, you know, and Aaron's touched on it a lot today, just how adaptable these guys are and how aggressive they're, they, they are with their, with their hunting tactics. You know, they're, uh, y'all are not timid hunters by any, by any stretch. And that's what, that's what makes the show exciting, I think. And that's what part of, a big part of what makes y'all as successful as you are. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun doing it this way. And like I said, we used to be much more passive, all of us did, but we sort of evolved our tactics over the years to kind of suit our own styles a little bit. And everybody right. kind of has to do that. You make hunting whatever you want to. That's the beauty of it. Right. If you like just sitting in the stand and sitting there all day and kind of wait for the action to come to you, then more power to you. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Uh, um, Aaron, real quick, uh, before I let you go, uh, tell, I, we'll, we'll put up, you know, we'll, we'll link them to your page and stuff when we publish this podcast. But uh, uh, tell them real quick how they can find uh, y'all on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can just follow us at The Hunting Public on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we always got content going up on each of those platforms. And then you can follow us on YouTube at The Hunting Public. We're in the middle of our deer tour right now where we travel to a variety of different states hunting public land and we post all, everything on there we post all the hunts whether we kill something or not try to show the entire process of going in and finding these spots and scouting them and eventually hunting them and hopefully getting a shot of something so heck yeah well all right dude i really like i said i've enjoyed it so much keeping up with uh the the deer tour so far this season uh, <laughs> I, I dude when i saw that uh that legendary whitetails t-shirt with the smurf on the back i like i didn't even i don't think i don't think i've ever spent money quicker like i've got to gotta have it order it right now <laughs> thanks buddy i appreciate it i'm in the smurf right now as a matter of fact <laughs> <laughs> too funny all right there man i really appreciate it um guys uh hope you've enjoyed this podcast uh hope you've enjoyed the conversation uh if you have any questions always feel free to send it in to our instagram page or our facebook and as always thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast thank you aaron no problem buddy take care